Welcome to the Wonder Women series of the Maker Mom podcast. My name is Katie Freeman and I am your host. Every week I bring you interviews with two female or non-binary makers of all sorts, some of them moms, some of them not. This week's guest is Sammy of Go Sammy Lee. Sammy is also the social media expert behind the scenes at Avid CNC. I had a great time chatting with Sammy. I had the opportunity to meet her briefly when I was at WorkbenchCon earlier in the year, and uh, I really enjoyed this opportunity getting to chat with Sammy, and we talk about quite a few different important things that um, are not only impacting the makerspace, but also the world. So I think you're really gonna enjoy what we cover here. But before we get into the interview, I wanna give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Lauren of Rasp and File Designs, Sven, Dwarf Sized Workshop, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Tool Mom Bonnie, ToolMomStore.com, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Amy, Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly, Reclaim Living Store, Brandy, Studio Obey, Kathy, One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your ongoing continued support of the podcast. You are what helps make it possible for me to produce two episodes a week, so thank you so very, very much. Now make sure you stick around to the end of the episode so you can find out how you can follow along with Sammy. Plus, you can find out how you can help support the podcast as well. All right, with no further ado, this is Sammy. No, Hello. I was, I obviously listen, you know, and I uh, love, love the podcast and everything. Oh, so thanks. I'm thrilled. So thanks for having me, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, then since you do listen, then you know, um, we can get started and I always have guests introduce themselves. So okay. I'm going to let you do that. Okay. All right. Go for uh, it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sammy, and I am a designer, a maker, and I do primarily work with CNC machines, so I love digital fabrication and robots. Um, I studied sculpture and uh, have kind of worked my way into uh, different fabrication facets in the fabrication world. I live in Portland, Oregon, in the Pacific Northwest, and I currently work for Avid CNC making content and educational resources for folks who want to learn about CNC and making things. Awesome. And I'm so looking forward to like diving into all of that. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I do want to like chat a bit about like, you know, your childhood, where'd you grow up? What kind of things were you yeah. interested in as a kiddo? Yeah. So I'm originally from the Silicon Valley and I grew up in 
Uh, if anybody has an iPhone and wonders where Cupertino is, where your uh, phone automatically defaults to the weather in Cupertino, that's where I'm from. Um, it is, uh, you know, I think it definitely is interesting looking back now how that has had some impact um, on where my career is now, because I was kind of rebellious against this upbringing, a very strong academic upbringing, mm -hmm. which I really am so grateful for. And, you know, um, I am so glad that I had that opportunity, um, but I was so artistic and I just loved making things and I just felt so different. I didn't really feel like it felt I fit in. Uh, so, but no, looking now is I get to do things and make things, but I also use computers and robots to do it. So it's kind of funny to how that kind of loops back really. But, um, yeah, it was, I was a girl scout. I, that was kind of some of my first forms of making. I remember, you know, uh, aside from crafts and sewing and stuff, I really loved lashing and tying knots and building forts and tree beds and that kind of thing. And that's kind of really where I discovered building things and not just like making little, you mm -hmm. know, um, crafts. Yeah. That's my furry co-host. If you can hear him <laughs> through the mic, I don't know. Um. <laughs> You'll definitely might get a visit from mine too. He's, he has been very talkative today. So. Okay. Yeah. We have, uh, brother and sister six month old kittens <sighs> i tell everybody there are quarantine babies and um, it's really the kids finally broke us down and when we were all stuck at yeah. home that's really what we we ended up getting so yeah they come in and out and probably my luck i have packages being delivered today and my dog is out in the living room so there's a <laughs> strong chance that there will be some barking going on as well um so awesome. for I want to kind of clarify, maybe even for just for my own self. So like Silicon Valley versus San Francisco, are they separate? Yeah. Are they the it, same? It's kind of, <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. In terms of culture, they're very different. Mm -hmm. But in terms of uh, kind of how it functions as a larger economy, I think it's really overlapping because... Uh, all those towns really blend into each other. So I'll just list a couple and you might have heard of some like Mountain View, Palo Alto, you know, that's like where Stanford is and mm -hmm. Facebook and, um, you know, Apple. So all those kind of intersect and then they all have buildings and locations all over. And, you know, you have the startup culture mm -hmm. and, um, but in terms of like what the landscape looks like, of course, San Francisco is that classic, uh, you know, what you picture, um, and, uh, Silicon Valley, San Jose, uh, mm -hmm. is really more suburb, uh, and yep. less city, uh, okay. but it still has, you know, there has a lot more room for larger buildings and that sort of thing, um, for employees and whatever, but, um, yeah, so, so that's a good question. I think they, they are very much one in the same, but there are different facets of that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um. I had, like with my job job, I've been to the San Jose area a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. at the time when I went there, I was also living in California. So mm -hmm. um, right. I lived in the Oceanside, California right, area. Oceanside. 
which is northern San Diego County for people who are listening that don't know where that's at. Um, uh, and so like I was used to that kind of like because Oceanside is essentially, you know, it all runs together. There's no break, you know, right, and, right. and people like there's no like sprawling like coastline. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much packed all the way up the right. coast. Um, but it it all runs into each other. So to me, like San Jose was very much just like Oceanside or whatever. It's just like yeah. a very sprawling what probably started as like a bedroom community for like mm-hmm. the larger city has grown into its own right. community. Right. And uh, San Jose is, is huge. It's yeah. a really big, it's a pretty big city considering and um, has a pretty large population. And, and even then within San Jose, I was from West San Jose, which is like, you could just tell like how the lines are drawn when you actually look at the map and kind of like how there is some strategy there, which we won't get too into, but um, it's a very different parts of San Jose look really different. So, uh, you know, it's, it really is, um, you do get a lot of uh, a variation there. Yeah. Um, I mean, so partially why I asked this question is, is totally like, you know, just for me sake wise, is me being a person, a queer person growing up in the mm. Midwest, yeah. like I idolized like San Francisco, which then became yeah. like idolized, like California as a whole of like this Mecca, right? <laughs> I can move yeah. to and be right. open and free and like no discrimination and wow, it's amazing. Yeah. And then I moved, you know, <clears throat> with my wife to Oceanside, California and found very quickly that pretty yeah. much outside of like the like city centers, it is not very welcoming to uh mm-hmm. members right, of the queer right. community california <laughs> is not san francisco and la no. like no. i think that's the interesting thing because and you know just to unpack this right i think it's funny because it's just such a bubble mm-hmm. and growing up in that bubble i was grew up I will acknowledge in a very, you know, upper middle class neighborhood. My parents happened to buy the right house in the right neighborhood before dot-com boom. And it worked out for them. And we're so fortunate to have that. Um, and uh, was I was grew up in a very diverse uh, neighborhood. Uh, my K through 12 is 90% Asian. Mm-hmm. And I'm a uh, quarter Chinese. And so I have like a very diverse family and... Um, I kind of just grew up really believing that this was, you know, the way it was everywhere. And mm-hmm. um, that doesn't really include out 30 minutes outside, uh, you know, when you drive any direction away from your big city. And mm-hmm. I think that's definitely a big wake up call. I moved to Savannah, Georgia for college. And, uh, you know, it's funny because you, I analyze these kinds of responses when I decided to go to art school and all my peers decided to go to Stanford or Harvard or Berkeley or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're like, well, you're going to Georgia, you know, just like kind of the all the responses I was getting was so judgmental. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'm so that was, you know, those four years were transformative and really opened my eyes to how, uh, you know, it it felt like going to a different country, really, Mm -hmm. and not just a different state. And it was so 
I think important in my young mind development, you know, I feel like a lot of young folks should get to be exposed to different places and you go to Georgia and there's like preconceptions about California and what that means. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, as like for queer folks too, and it, it wasn't all, you know, right sunshines and rainbows, you know, like my sibling is non-binary and, um, came out as gay uh, in high school and, uh, you know, we did the um, Queers and Allies Club, uh, you know, but their posters would get torn down on, on the high school campus, even though there's like this facade of being totally open and uh, in a liberal state, mm -hmm. you know, it just isn't, isn't always that way. And, um, but we're, you know, fortunate our family is so open and, um, you know, that we, we couldn't have, you know, hope for a better acceptance for for Brina's um, transitions. Um, mm -hmm. But it's definitely not exactly what you think is going to be and in, in kind of like the Hollywood posters. So, right. yeah, I mean, to be to be honest, that was like actually, you know, a conversation that took up a lot of time mm -hmm. probably more than it should have with my wife and I after we moved there and like yeah. um especially um Oceanside specifically has Camp Pendleton in it and um I don't want to like turn off anybody who's listening who's in the military but let's just say there were definitely right. moments where we would be walking uh together um and not even holding hands just walking together and we felt not safe you know, we yeah. felt definitely like, okay, we need to be very careful uh, right. in this situation. And we talked a lot about it being just kind of maybe a disappointment to a degree, just mm -hmm. because like it's, you build up a place in your head of thinking like, well, maybe there is some place out there that we can be wholly ourselves and like, yeah not judged in any way for that right. and right. and then right. it didn't exist and it was just kind of like yeah well that's a letdown you know um, yeah I seriously is I think that's a funny conversation not funny uh it's a a conversation we need to have especially now where you know folks are like well I guess I'm moving to Canada like okay we can joke about this but we have, you can't, there's no place for us to go that mm -hmm. where we can totally feel 100% safe as queer people or as women, or, mm -hmm. you know, if you're black or brown, like there's not really a perfect place to go to. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. So you have to make it and you have to make that change. I know it's not going to happen overnight. We're going to acknowledge that, uh, you know, and it's not going to happen just because now where all of a sudden, you know, white folks are talking about it right, or right. straight folks are right. talking about it. It's not magic. It's just, uh, <laughs> yeah. we got, oh, just cause you know about it now. It's not, it's not gonna, right. But, yeah. but we do, you know, what I've been trying to focus on is, you know, Portland, everyone I'm sure has heard in the news, what is going here on here with protests and, mm -hmm. you know, um, that sort of thing we need to, uh, that is so important to show up for that. I think it's also, if we don't show up in our own communities, our maker world yep. here, this is our career, this is our passion. If we don't show up for, you know, our uh, 
friends here in our in the community that have traditionally not had access to the resources that you know uh, a lot of you know I I love our YouTuber dudes you know you're great you're doing <laughs> yep. a good job but right. you know you need to share that mic and lift folks up and make sure that you know. Uh, black women and queer women and any women <laughs> get <laughs> access to these resources, right. you know, and, and that's kind of like been a passion that I've been trying to uh, figure out how to divert resources and, um, and, you know, whether it's uh, on my weekends, I've just finished, I'm really, I'm 95% done with some box, uh, planter boxes I'm building for a local uh, black owned or BIPOC queer art gallery here in Portland. Um, so whether it's you're volunteering your time or you're helping someone with some uh, design files or making a sign for their business, you know, whatever it is, we need to use the skills, the superpowers that we have, right. which is making, and then, uh, you know, try to show up, right? Yep, yep. Hey, makers, do you know Lauren of Rasp and File Designs? Well, if you don't, you should definitely go check out her work. You can find her on Instagram, Rasp File Designs. Lauren is making all kinds of cool furniture and home decor pieces out of live edge uh, hardwoods and metal bases. Um, that's not all she does though, so you should really go check her out and see what she's up to, especially as holiday seasons are coming up. And I know all of us makers really enjoy making our own Christmas presents, but perhaps you're running out of time, so you want to maybe go check out Lauren. She's in the D.C. area, so especially those who are close uh, location-wise to her. So go ahead, go check her out at Raspfile Designs on Instagram, and let's get back to the episode. And I know I've taken us down a rabbit hole with this I could talk about it all day, you know, and that's yeah. the thing. It's like, I think it's funny when people say, oh, you know, F2020, like yeah. we don't need to, like, oh, I wish this never happened. It's like, this is exactly what had to happen. We have to talk about this. And it's like, mm -hmm. finally, finally, yep. we're, you know, obviously it, it's, a lot of there's a lot of tragedies that come mm -hmm. right with the pandemic, but it's also the catalyst for us to, you know, get to bring these conversations forward and actually make the progress that we with it's been put off for too long, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Oh, uh, I do want to like so you talked about like having that experience going from you know Silicon mm. Valley and then moving to Georgia to go to yeah. school. Um, First, I mean, what did you go to school for? <laughs> and, yeah. And like, you know, what was, what were some of, I guess, the things that you felt were really, like, really kind of changed your trajectory? Yeah. Um, so I originally, you know, went for, uh, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to major in. Uh, I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design, and they had over 50 majors and minors. So they had definitely had the largest selection in terms of like getting to explore I didn't have to decide right there and then um there there was re really transformative moment I was, you take foundations classes you know a little bit of everything and I took a 3d foundations class and um uh professor Scott I will make a shout out because he's just completely changed the trajectory of my entire career 
Uh, and, you know, I had a lot of wonderful mentors there. Um, and all the sculpture professors in particular really kind of uh, gave me um, the outlet that I needed where I could work on learning techniques on how to do things, but also exploring concept and reason. Uh, but Prof Scott in particular, like I was sitting on the front steps of the sculpture building, which is this little kind of like rundown brick building that is by the railroad tracks and, you know, uh, obviously not as much money went yeah. into that yeah. as it did into the industrial design shop. We won't uh, have to get into that too much, but, um, you know, he saw me on the steps of my scope, my like foundations project. And he says, points to me and he's like, you're going to take my sculpture two class at next quarter, sign up for it. And then um, he also got me into the digital fabrication sculpture classes. So I took that and advanced digital fabrication class. And that completely, you know, has ignited this light in me um, and my interest in, in building things and in making things and utilizing the technologies that we have access to, but still having the hands-on uh, processes of, I can, you know, use uh, a hand plane when I'm going to finish or, uh, you know, a chisel when I want to, but I, I can also leverage the, you know, digital fabrication in order to really help me get to where I want to go. Uh, so, so Savannah was, you know, a really, I think, great, wonderful time in my life where I got to explore and make things and live in a different world. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the sculpture department really is kind of where I found my passion. I think that I, Looking back, I, I kind of wish I had also studied furniture design, but I can al also create the opportunity for myself now and giving myself my own assignments to, to do that. So, mm -hmm. so when you were getting into yeah, when you were getting into um, sculptural design, because um, mm -hmm. I've had also on here um, on the podcast, I've had you know a few people who majored in. Um, sculpture 3d sculpture like mm. um ellen of little bear furniture mm -hmm. um she did sculptural as her uh, major as well um but she got into furniture with it so like where did you know when you were in school was it more mm -hmm. i don't know necessarily how to say like more just artistic expression or like did you end up kind of leaning in towards maybe like uh you know, art with a, with some functionality to it. Right. Right. Uh, I not, I didn't really get to explore functionality as much in that time. Um, I think that kind of came later when I started doing fabrication, uh, getting jobs in fab shops, uh, working more with wood and material and making things that had function like signs or restaurant build outs or tap handles, mm -hmm. uh, when, uh, I got into that. So I did get to kind of focus on uh, learning materials and processes and um, and the and focus on form and concept then and and then later on it kind of uh, expanded to what I was uh, I, I wish I had more to, you know it's like you always kind of want a little bit more time to explore mm -hmm. that uh, but it, it was I did a lot of uh, installation art as well. So uh, experiences, which I yeah. think is kind of uh, something I'm, I'm still really interested in now that I kind of look at interior architecture and 
uh, furniture, things you, objects you interact with all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, how did you get into fabrication? And like, I mean, yeah. Because well, it seems like an interesting jump, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, art to fabrication. Well, I always say sculpture saved my life because honestly, I was originally going to be a painting, you know, study painting. And I, I did study painting, but my focus ended up being in sculpture. And uh, I owe every job I've had to that, you know, focus because I could actually make a thing, you know. So I moved to Portland. I got a job. My first job was a ceramic tile company pressing tiles and uh, like three-dimensional tiles. So I, I never really worked in ceramics before. So worked with you know 15 ton ram press machines and extruders and kilns. Um, I uh, moved on to working for, I got a job as a CNC technician at a local makerspace and okay. uh, worked on a, in a, a fabrication team doing with a, a lot of breweries and local coffee shops, right? As I was talking about the um, uh, tap handles and mm -hmm. signs and that sort of thing. So uh, that kind of was the path there. And I've always been passionate about teaching. So education and making is really kind of the intersection of the things that I'm passionate about. And I had, you know, grown up uh, in high school coach soccer team, like kids soccer. And I was in college, the founded the uh, painting club and was president of that and president of the sculpture club. So I really like to, to lead and to, uh, you know, help uh, curate shows. So I also curated art shows at the makerspace. I found a space that I could put shows together and mm -hmm. use that as a platform to try to lift folks up. You know, I was kind of really struggled with making my own work, my own art and saying, what I have to say is important. I was always kind of better at lifting other people up and saying, here, I'm really good at coordinating events and kind of seeing talent and just trying to help all of that fall away for you where you don't have to really worry about how putting that together. I can organize and curate this uh, experience with your work, you know, and helping them achieve that was always something mm -hmm. I really was passionate about. Um, and then I ended up teaching CNC and woodworking at the Makerspace later on as I kind of grew in my role. I became a the digital fabrication project manager. Um, and then I later uh, managed the fabrication team, which was a team of, uh, of 10 folks, only two women. And I was like the second youngest, which is definitely a challenging place to be in when you're, uh, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> your, your woodshop grows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I say that with all the love in my heart, you know, yes. you can, it's funny you, um, uh, to get, you know, really to fit in, you get really good at the sup, brah, you know, yeah, yeah. entrance. And, um, I, I do really appreciate that time in my life. It was definitely challenging too, because I had to become a lot tougher in an environment. And, you know, while it really, some of that really got to me and annoyed me when I was there at that time, um, you know, from ages, I don't know, 23 to 26, um, uh, you know, looking back now, it was definitely a time that made me stronger and mm -hmm. better and worked really hard, really long hours, practicing, learning CNC, and, uh, and eventually teaching it. So, um, yeah, 
so that team that you were leading there, which I think that's awesome that like a makerspace would have, you know, like that kind right. of a fabrication team. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but you're leading this team, you're leading this group. Like you said, you're the second youngest. Most of the people you're leading, I'm assuming we're all older than you and male. Yeah, um, yeah they definitely come- no chip on their shoulder at all. They no, were totally no, cool no. with it. Yeah. They were like, yes, <laughs> through a party. No. <laughs> I mean, were they coming to the table like I don't, I really don't want this to come off bad, but were they coming to the table with more experience, like more CNC experience, more woodworking experience? Uh, I definitely had the most CNC experience of all of them uh, in terms of years in a shop, perhaps, Mm -hmm. but in terms of, you know, sharpening your stick and getting really good at things like leading a team and being organized and scheduling and interacting with clients that was something I had, you know, didn't even realize I was working on those skills. Like mm-hmm. when, you know, when you, for example, coaching soccer, I'm interacting with kids. I'm also interacting with their parents. I'm also like helping coordinate these big events, uh, you know, that was also related to the league, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that was just starting at age 14 and then working through that and organizing groups and curating shows like there's a lot of coordination and and relationships you have to build um, and maintain so I think I was particularly I I will say it was not easy for me to get that final promotion where I got to manage the team I honestly had to work six you know like four months longer because so what happened one of the the circumstance was that uh, we had my boss was fired the manager of the fab team um, because he lost his temper and, uh, you know, we, we totally got through that. He, you know, mm-hmm. but he, uh, that position was vacant and I went to the general manager of the, you know, after a couple days, I didn't just go right, right, to right. sleep in, you know, <laughs> give, give it a week or something. Yeah. And, um, I said, Hey, I really think I'm the right person for this job. And here are all the reasons why I am the right person. I am the youngest, but I'm also been a project manager than longer than anybody here who's still currently here. There is mm-hmm. turnover in a fab right. shop. Um, and I've been training all these project managers and the CNC technicians, you know, and uh, I think that I'm the right person for, for this job. And, and the disappointing thing, you know, is sometimes women can make judgments on you too. And it's not just, you're not safe because you're you know Mm -hmm. from from uh, making these statements but she kind of just kind of gives me this very condescending condescending like pat on the shoulder like oh but what do you think the team you know just do this uh uh mind experiment with me uh, for a second with this pat on the shoulder and says um what do you think the team so basically what do you think all these dudes well think of these two words in a leadership position young and female, as if that had anything to do with whether or not I could do the job. And then, you know, my response essentially was like, well, they should stand up and cheer because I am the right person for this job. And I, you know, think I deserve it. If you don't think that I understand. Um, So for three and a half months, they leave the position vacant and it's not going well. And then they gave me the promotion. 
after three and a half months of leaving it empty and telling me I couldn't do it because, oh gosh, what would the boys think about it? You know? So that, but I did get the job and then I quit (laughs) because I just wasn't, because they gave me the promotion without a raise and without, uh, you know, acknowledging Mm -hmm. that I, they obviously paid the two men who did the job before me way more. Mm-hmm. as it was the highest paid position at this place. And I'm not saying it was, I needed to be paid the same amount because obviously they had more experience in certain aspects, but you know, you don't just get to, the way it was handled wasn't, was inappropriate. And I moved on and mm-hmm. found a um, better, <laughs> better positions. And then eventually found the, you know, made the person I got to help make a perfect position where I'm so lucky now to get to work with avid CNC and they helped create this role for me that I get to do all these different faceted tasks where I get to teach and I get to write and I get to make film and I get to do research and development I get to do collaboration projects with other makers I get to kind of pull all these strings that I can see in the world and make help build bridges and make connections between people that are out there. I see it. Okay. This person, you know, needs this resource. I see that this company is really wanting to give, they just don't know how and being able to help build those connections. So, you know, while on the surface, I make YouTube videos and uh, get to talk about robots all day. Uh, There's a lot of things that I like to do, which is like planting seeds and helping people and getting, you know, STEM access to girls and mm-hmm. to uh, to women who haven't had the opportunity to learn this, you know, or, or any anybody who's interested in it, really, you know, there are, uh, I think this is a technology that can really help a small business because I've done it myself where I was the digital fabrication project manager and my profit margin would blow the custom boys out of the water every time, you know, it's not because they weren't working just as hard because they were working hard too. But when you have a tool like a CNC or a laser, you can really, if you leverage it in the right way, you can be, have added success. It's the employee that shows Mm -hmm. up every day and it does for better or worse. It does exactly (laughs) what you tell it to. Right. Right. So, yeah. So I, I want to say, you know, big kudos and totally in a non-condescending way for you to like, you know, thank you. Take the bull by the horns and kind of go in there and say, I'm the right person for this job. I want to follow that up with how did you get to that point? Um, it just like, that's you, that's your personality. Do you have, you know, have there been role models that have kind of shown you to, to stand up for yourself Mm -hmm. in that way? Yeah, definitely. I I would definitely say my mom plays a big role. Uh, She has um, endless empathy and strength and presence. And uh, uh, her name's Rosie, Uh, Rosie Go, G-O. She is a go girl. And uh, like me, never stop moving. Um, You're really just constantly uh, giving, giving, giving. She uh, is a nurse at Stanford Hospital and is manages the uh, local or helps support the so- local soccer league, organizing volunteers, 
she plays she's on all these different sports teams she plays you know uh softball and tennis and golf and whatever you know she does it's insane her schedule is completely (laughs) packed um but which is probably a hint of why i am the way i am and uh, i try to also channel my dad's inner chill you know to kind of balance Mm -hmm. um but she definitely has this uh you know, she is very passionate about standing up for uh, women in spaces that she didn't necessarily feel was uh, fully accepted. You know, I know that being a nurse is a very uh, uh, femme field, uh, but she also is a, a referee and she referees for at least four soccer games a weekend. And that's, you know, ages from like, you know, I don't know, 10 to college. Mm-hmm. And she'll women in refereeing it's very not very common and you don't get treated the same you know Mm -hmm. hey makers today's episode is brought to you by tool mom and company or some of you know her as tool mom bonnie Uh, she has all kinds of tool related merchandise of gifts and clothing for all ages and genders available at toolmomstore.com. I have two of the coffee mugs. One says go girl and it has a circular saw with flames coming off the back, which is super sweet. And then the other one is the definition of a tool chick, which just makes you feel kind of badass when you're drinking out of it. So if you are in the market, especially as we're getting close to Christmas for any tool related merchandise be that gifts or clothing make sure you head on over to toolmomstore.com and extra bonus you can receive 20 percent off at checkout if you use the coupon code makermom all right let's jump back into the episode and uh she always really stood up for herself and for others and i i definitely think that she has had a big impact of on why I uh, am the way I am, the way I can stand up for myself. I, I guess I just try to lead with compassion and lead with kindness. You know, uh, if folks don't want to receive it, you know, it's okay. <laughs> I'm going to try to not let. And and that was a, you know a time with the fabrication team where I'm like, okay, you don't want to receive that, or I just also try to in my communication style. Uh, accommodate others communication side, which is sometimes you have to sacrifice the way you want to communicate in order to get people to uh, meet you halfway, you know, and in some cases, like in the fabrication team, uh, to get people to do their job, the thing that they signed up to do, but I have to accommodate. Uh, So sometimes, you know, I had a coworker uh, who's a project manager, I'd sometimes get him to pitch an idea that was mine because I know that the other guys are more likely to say, oh yeah, sure. Like, oh, that sounds cool because, you know, this cool project managers, it was, he presented it. And I'm okay with that because my idea got implemented, uh, maybe not exactly in the way I wanted to, but you know, if you can, uh, I I hope it doesn't come off as manipulative. It's more about how to, it's funny how I could have presented, I presented the same idea two to three weeks before and it wasn't received in the same way. And until learning about how, you know, I'm just trying to help and, and support and 
you know, it's about training days basically was the idea. And it's like something that should be fundamental and just exist rather than being something I have to feel like I have to accommodate for, but it is kind of something, you know, when you're communicating with somebody who works for you or somebody you work for, or somebody you're collaborating with, you want to make sure that you have open communication channels. And I think that's something that I really like to focus on and make sure um, I'm being thoughtful of. So I'm going to be honest. I, I cringe <laughs> slash my heart sank when you said, you know, having to have a male mm -hmm. coworker pitch the idea for you, because for one, that is, <clears throat> I think something that almost every woman who is working can relate to. Yeah. Um, secondly, um, you know, I've, I've had a guest on not too long ago, uh, Tanda, who, um, uh, transitioned, um, you know, mm -hmm. male to female is male to female, um, trans. And I asked that question about like being in the workplace and the experience of, you yeah. know, it's an opportunity for me to say, okay, you had an experience as a male working in a workplace yeah. and now you have the experience as a female and yeah. talking to that and just like how frustrated she yeah. could get right. now that yeah. like, that's how it is. And it just, I mean, having these conversations sometimes, uh, total honesty, it pisses me off yeah. that, that we women have to focus on that. Right. Like the amount of energy and work we have to put into just communicating an idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Exactly. Versus, I, seriously. Versus the amount of energy a male coworker has to put in right. presenting that idea. Um, uh, and the thought process between behind like, okay, I have to choose the right words, uh, right tone of voice, mm -hmm. right facial expressions, right body language, right moment. You know, yeah. God forbid we talk to you in a moment where you're not in a space to edit, to hear it. Um, not apologize for my presence. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, it's <laughs> funny when you look at all these like very specific examples, like for in retrospect, you know, I, I started like, and I'm also fortunate to be able to have a name that is, uh, I can, it can be, uh, you know, gender neutral. So I started mm -hmm sending my emails as Sam instead of Sammy. And it's insane. The responses that I would, how totally my, my interactions with my clients or new clients were mm -hmm. no, a lot less questioning of my authority on a subject or, uh, you know, level of knowledge. Any, exactly. <laughs> like people were sending me, I swear, you know, after two years of doing it, uh, 101 videos on how to CNC cut something. Uh, I'm just, I'm like, why, then why are, if you don't think I'm capable of it, why are you even having me quote a job for you? You know, mm -hmm. if you don't think I can do it, why, why would you ask me to do this? Um, there was one um, really wonderful moment when, you know, you have all these emails coming in and different project managers are get, picking them up. And uh, my male coworker, who is the project manager also has a gender neutral name. And responded to a message and uh, I also did as well. And I was like, oh, hey, like, can I help you with this project? And the client was like, no, it's fine. Like, she's got it. 
Like you, I don't need your help, dude. And it was just like the best win to me ever. And I was just, I like jumped out of my seat because it was just so awesome that she's like, the client was just like, no, you know, so-and-so right. <laughs> she's got it. Like, I don't need you. Okay. Like, and it was just awesome. Um, uh, but it's, it's funny when, when you look at that and uh, yeah, you know, I, I definitely know it's, it's not ideal, uh, you know, but it is revealing and it kind of shows, okay, well, what can I do now to make sure that this is something that uh, girls or trans folk don't necessarily, you know, like how can I make it a little bit easier for somebody mm -hmm. who comes after, after me? So, so, um, I mean, you know, you, you're talking about getting in and, and getting to work with like Avid and, and having them mm -hmm. kind of like respect you for yeah. like, your knowledge and what you bring to the table and mm -hmm. um, everything about who you are. And then talking about um, which, you know, so Avid's a company and in mm -hmm. our space as makers, they're a brand. Um, and so yeah, we're, it, it is right. We're looking, you know, uh, if, if you are a maker and you want to get into, um, content creation, then mm -hmm. what you deal with is working with brands and trying to get brand sponsorship and mm -hmm. cause that's how you make a living. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I want to circle back to, you know, you're talking about all these wonderful male YouTubers <laughs> and, um, right. you know, I, I met you in person at WorkbenchCon, mm -hmm. which, you know, has quite a few of the superstar male um, YouTubers there, uh, yeah. the female ones as well, but um, yeah. definitely men still outnumber the women. Um, and given your your spot in at, you know the organization with the company you're working for like how do how does that make you feel seeing like other brands and how they work with um content creators versus like your brand and how you're working with content creators um mm -hmm. I've had conversations on the podcast, you know, about conferences like WorkbenchCon, which is part of it is about networking with our peers. Part of it is about learning, um, but part of it is about networking with brands and having mm -hmm. the conversation about how many of those brands even seem approachable to a woman, like just yeah. from standing back at that 50 foot you know, level and looking at them and saying, who here can I actually go talk to and have them take me seriously if I'm not already somebody who has a recognizable name. Right. Yeah, um, that's a fair question. I think measuring folks by their follower count is an inherently broken system. It's not a, a fair start. And, you know, when we look at the primary demographic that follows CNC uh, related content, you know, it's definitely you have that same dichotomy of uh, a much, much higher male base to, to female. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, it's interesting, because I don't think we should, right, pick people based solely on follower count. And uh, I, while that's important for, you know, the and the way I will say, first of all, the way we collaborate with content creators is 
very different than I think a lot of brands, you know, um, we don't have the necessarily the, the affiliate program and it's a lot more informal. It's more about trying to support what you're trying to accomplish. You have a mission and a narrative and you're telling your own story. We will never dictate what kind of content that you make, what to, oh, you have to make a build video. You have to do this. That's not how we, we collaborate. We just want to be able to, to help support you in your, your already mm -hmm. uh, directed mission. And, um, I think that there is, uh, of course, it's it'll be good for us to to collaborate with uh, a woodworker, no matter their gender, if they are of a certain follower, right. you know, count. Of course, that's going to help our our brand and our representation. Um, we also, I think, if you, we, we don't have a lot of we are a very alternative business model because uh, you know we don't sell through stores because we have that kind of we want to pass the savings on to whoever is purchasing a machine, and we um, kind of have a different structure around that. Mm -hmm. um, it's also a relatively small company, less than thirty employees, and a really small town called North Bend, which is. Uh, if anyone's seen Twin Peaks, that's where it's filmed <laughs> yeah. is in North Bend. It's got like one stoplight and the diner is there, you know, um, it's insanely beautiful too. Um, so we definitely handle things differently. And I understand like, it, it's funny because Corey, my coworker and I went to WorkbenchCon uh, as just, a we attended it. We didn't have a booth right. or anything. Um, I was like, I, it was just an event I wanted to go to, right. you know, and uh, you know, meet some folks that I had been talking to on Instagram and messaging mm -hmm. with, and just to be like, ah, I just like have a beer with some awesome makers. And right. it really did, you know, for us too, was a very great opportunity to meet people I looked up to, you know, like uh, I wanted to meet Char uh, mm -hmm. from the Wooden Maven in person and Alma. And um, I'm sure probably by the time this comes out, they'll have their machines. So they're mm -hmm. both we're getting the opportunity to collaborate with them and support their work. Uh, so they're both getting their CNC machines in their shop. Um, obviously it's difficult for us to, you know, like uh, it's not bottles of glue, it's, it's to big CNC <laughs> right. machines. Right. Um, so, but you know, I, my, my passion and, and Avid CNC has been so supportive in uh, helping direct this passion that I have about getting resources uh, to women or girls who are in learning STEM, uh, who are doing robotics or something. There's um, also, you know, I, I'm hoping in the near future, next year, we can start supporting organizations that exist. So I don't believe that I am the person with the answers, you know, I could pick and choose like some art uh, makers that I think are wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, but also I think it's important for us to just support existing organizations that are doing really good work. Mm -hmm. You know, I have some really wonderful ideas of, of those groups. Um, but getting machinery into, you know, uh, places that have, are supporting women in the trades or uh, I think is definitely kind of the direction I'd like to help focus. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, so we, we're definitely putting a lot of thought into that now. And um, we kind of have like a little uh, board together that we're working on directing those decisions because, uh, and it's kind of adjacent to our company. So it's not necessarily, you know, um, uh, it, it's folks who are really tapped into the community, knowing what the community needs. 
mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Do you see, and, and obviously I know that you individually are not, you know, your company, but right, you right. See, I don't get to do, make all these decisions no, by myself. No. But. <laughs> do you think, um, you are, you know, you're a small company, a small brand people wise. Um, do you see yourselves being able to influence uh, some of these other brands? Um, and I guess I'm speaking like, you know, things I've, I've brought up on the podcast before about um, either intentionally seeking out uh, women, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, black and brown uh, people of color, um, people from the LGBTQ yeah. community. Like, I, I think that I firmly believe it is also on the responsibility of the brand to actually put some work into uh, yeah. finding people within right. those communities. Um, but also like beyond just like working with them, things like being at a show, and mm -hmm. all you have are white heterosexual men at your booth. Um, yeah. I mean, that's maybe why, you know, having a booth versus attending it, I can have a lot more uh, nuance to kind of go have conversations. Mm -hmm. And it's funny to look back on some of my interactions, you know, not that they were bad initially, but until they found out, you know, some gentleman mm -hmm. found out I worked for this specific brand didn't, weren't really interested in talking to me. Yep. Um, and then, uh, you know, after they, after someone might find out, you know, mm -hmm. I have access to resource, you know, right. um, what it, it's not like, uh, anything was malicious or anything. I think it was just, um, it's subconscious. And I mm -hmm. think a lot of, uh, you know, our fellow makers need to stand up for that. And, and in terms of like brand being a role model, you know, we, uh, certainly won't claim to be perfect, but we definitely want to have an impact and support and give back. I think there is, um, and we, and whether we do that through small projects like these, uh, Avid CNC paid for all the materials for my Ori gallery, uh, a planter box project, you mm -hmm. know, they're just here, you know, they're here to help, um, support that, whether it's a small project, like, uh, with, with Char, she, she really wanted to make these uh, take and make kits. And so trying to solve the problem of like, okay, you know, I reach out to Char, I'm like, hey, what are, what are the problems you're trying to solve right now that I can support you in? And she's like, well, the makerspace is closed or it has limited hours and we need to get a way for people to make things uh, at home. And so this take and make project is a good way so they can pick up the kit, they can take it home and they can make it. And I'm like, okay, well, perfect. Let's like CNC some kits and I'll mail them to you and you can distribute them to your community. So mm -hmm. it's, it's about whether it's about, you know, having a machine access to a machine, or if it's just like, I need, I can help cut these parts that can help you with a very specific goal you're trying to accomplish. To me, they think that's, uh, you know, I think what Avid CNC is trying to do is like, we, we need to look at ask the folks who are trying to help what they specifically need help with because right. just having a machine in a makerspace not might not necessarily be the right solution you know sometimes you see we've all been to a makerspace that maybe has a machine 3d whatever kind of machine it is 
that's sitting in a corner not being used because somebody doesn't know how to use it or because they weren't supported in the way that they needed to be in order to learn how to use something, whether or not it's a, a milling machine or a right. standing mill or whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. um, we need to ask those women and those uh, communities exactly what they need Mm -hmm. And then make sure you can follow through with that or finding a solution or, or putting them in touch with somebody else who can help solve that problem. You know, um, I think that's kind of uh, what I've been trying to do is try to reach out and see what I can help support and, and, and how I can best utilize the skill sets that I have there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Sammy, I cannot believe it, but we are like, right? <laughs> <laughs> like we're oh in that hour, our moment. Um, and we didn't even get to super get into like your personal making. Um, so I'm well, going to apologize for that. <laughs> I'm sure we could talk about making things all day. I mean, that's what, what conferences are for and stuff, that's right. but um, yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. I had such a nice time talking to you and I'm like I could sit here for a couple more hours but I know <laughs> another time next another time. time that's right exactly yeah. um well though Sammy I want to make sure you get a chance though to shout out uh yourself and where people can find <laughs> your work and follow yeah. along with you um outside of Avid um uh you yeah. know if people follow Avid CNC they can find you there too but right uh your personal stuff give you a chance to shout that yeah. out so people could find you Right. You can find me uh, at go Sammy Lee, G O S A M I L E E. That's my Instagram. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I run the avid YouTube and uh, Instagram channels. So you can find us there too. If you're interested in digital fabrication, uh, you know, just, yeah, feel free to reach out and I'm uh, excited to, you know, like get to be a part of this wonderful list of uh, women and non-binary makers that you talk to I'm just so honored so thank you so much yeah absolutely and uh be looking forward to or not maybe forward but look be looking for me to be reaching out because yeah uh schooling wise I mm -hmm. went to school for uh, manufacturing technology and so like I learned you know like g-code and all that kind of yeah, stuff on cool. like uh big cncs um and that's where oh man, I could nerd out about this. Okay, know, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> um, and so, and that's where my job job takes me is into like fab shops. You know, mm -hmm. obviously it's all it, it's all metal fabrication. Um, right. I am one of those people that still geeks out and loves the smell of like machine oil when I walk into those places yeah. <laughs> and the machining stuff. But yes, yeah, I have so many ideas for um, utilizing you know more fabrication to help bring design to people. So you're looking for All right, let's do it. Let's do it. That. Whatever it is. Yes. Yes. I'm there. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks so much, Sammy. Really do appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Oh, thanks for having me. Yes. All right. So again, that was Sammy of Go Sammy Lee. Um, and also the behind the scenes of all the social media for Avid CNC. I'll include the links to follow along with her on both of those accounts, um, Instagram, website, all of that, in the show notes for this week's episode. Uh, probably the easiest and best way to find those show notes is just within whatever app you are following along with the podcast in. You can go down below and see the links. 
Now, if you are enjoying the podcast, I would really appreciate if whatever platform you are either listening to or watching this podcast on, that you hit that subscribe button. Head to iTunes, leave a five-star review, or if you're in YouTube, leave a comment down below. All of that helps the algorithms across all of the apps. Let people know that this is a podcast people enjoy listening or watching and uh, pushes it out to more people. Also, you know, feel free to share your favorite episode across social media. Say, you know, shout out your favorite Maker Mom or Wonder Women series interview. Shout them out. Let people know that some awesome, awesome makers are uh, featured on this podcast. If you would like to... Uh, support the podcast in a more formal and ongoing manner, please consider checking out the tribe over on Patreon. That's just patreon.com forward slash makermompodcast. There are several different tiers that you can join over there. A one, three, five dollar tier level gets you access to any additional content, plus uh, gives you different merchandise depending on what level you choose. And then there is a brand new $30 a month tier level that makes you an official sponsor of the podcast. Now those are limited. In fact, I'm down to just one spot of those being available. So if this is something you think you might be interested in, then you might want to jump on it pretty quick. All right. Again, that makes you an official sponsor of the podcast, which means you get your very own ad spot for each and every episode, each and every week. Okay. So at a minimum, you're doing eight episodes a week. All right, and then if you just want to flat out buy some merchandise, like a sticker or a t-shirt, hit me up with a direct message, either at MakerMomPodcast on Instagram or at Freeman Furnishings, and let me know that you want some merchandise, and we'll work out how to get that to you, all right? Now, when I'm not making a podcast, which seems like I'm doing a lot these days with two episodes a week, but when I'm not interviewing guests and making podcast episodes, you can find me designing and making furniture and home decor for bold homes over at freemanfurnishings.com or at freemanfurnishings across all of the social media platforms being YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn even. So just search for Freeman Furnishings on any of those platforms and you can find me and you can see what I am up to. Probably the most active on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, but still, you can check those out. All right, it is the middle of the week. It is hump day. We have made it to hump day, thank goodness, and the end of the week is in sight. I hope that the rest of this week brings you some making time, family time, whatever thing floats your boat, I guess, whatever you enjoy doing. I hope you get out in the shop and make, and I will see you next week.